Well, good morning, PBC. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Happy Father's Day. I want to say a special happy Father's Day to my dad and my granddad who was in the service, service previously. Um, happy Father's Day out there to everyone. I can tell you for sure that my dad has never told me any of those things ever before. If you have your Bibles with me, uh, turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, if you have your iPhones or your Bibles or whatever you have this morning. Daniel chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 8. If you do not know who I am, my name is Mark Grace, and this is home for me. I grew up in this church uh, for the first 18 years of my life. I'm a byproduct of our Upward Basketball ministry. I was saved for the first time in my life when I was six years old. I was first told uh, of my sin and my need of a Savior when I was six, and I accepted Christ through our Upward Basketball ministry, and since that moment of my life, I've been forever changed. Uh, Christ came to, into my life, and for the rest of that time at Palmetto Baptist Church, the members of this church helped grow me into the, the child and the youth, and when I went off to college when I was 18, I, I left this church prepared to go face the world, and I just graduated from the University of Georgia in, in May, uh, a couple months ago. I'm about to begin a job. I'm moving back home, and one of the most excited reasons why I get to move back home is because I get to be here. And I'm so excited about the future of our church, where it's headed, the new pastor that's coming in in just a couple short months. And it was so exciting for me to be able to move back home, to start a job, just because I get to see the future of where we're going, and I get to be a part of that together. And so when, when Eric and Rob asked me to speak this morning on Father's Day, I said absolutely, because what I want us to do is, to, when I, since I am home, let's grow together with this new pastor coming in, and I'm so excited about the future of our church. During my time at college, I'm excited today to share a couple stories with you of how the Lord moved and uh, the ways he impacted my life while I was there. And uh, I'm excited to be able to share with you my heart for, for what I believe he's going to teach us through Daniel this morning. And so we're going to start in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But before I read chapter, or verse 8, what I want you to know is some context behind what we're about to read. And what you're going to realize is that in this verse, Daniel is a 15-year-old boy. He's just been taken captured by the Babylonians. He's in a foreign country with foreign customs, with foreign culture, and certainly foreign gods. Yet Daniel is going to choose to stand on God's word as a teenager. And what you're going to realize is, so Daniel is from Jerusalem. He's from the southern kingdom of Judah. He's been there for the first 15 years of his life. The Assyrian Empire is the empire of the world. And then King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians takes over... They conquered the Assyrian Empire, and the Babylonian Empire is the, the kings of the world, the kings of the region. So what does that mean for Daniel? That means that the first thing that the Babylonians did when they became the world empire is they decided to take over Jerusalem. And the destruction of the temple happened. They take all the Jews captive, and they bring them to Babylon. And what we see is King Nebuchadnezzar, in the first seven verses of this chapter, has a brilliant idea. And he says, I'm going to take all the unblemished Jewish boys from 12 to 18 years old, teenagers, because I know these Jews are going to be here for a long period of time. And what I want to do is brainwash them, essentially, to believe the way 
that we Babylonians do. And so our foreign gods, our foreign customs and cultures, what we do here becomes normal to people like Daniel and his buddies. And so he takes Daniel and his three friends and some more, and you may know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are their Babylonian names. And here you're going to see their three different names. But he takes them and his buddies, and his goal is in two to three years, we're going we're gonna to brainwash them to believe the way that we want them to. And so we pick up the story. Daniel's 15 years old. In verse 8, verse 8 reads, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine he drank, so he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch, yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king has said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they began to attend the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in the entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray before I get started this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to share This morning, I pray that it be your words and not my words that speak. Give us a message that applies today to Palmetto Baptist Church in June of 2022. Give us a message of boldness. Teach us something from Daniel's life this morning, even as a 15-year-old boy, that we can apply and take to the world around us. It is in your name that I pray. Amen. It was my sophomore year of, of college, my freshman year finished, and this is before COVID, the, the semester before COVID in the, in the fall, and I received some of the best advice that I've ever received in my entire life, and certainly the best advice that I received in, in college. And my best friend in college, his name is Elias, and Elias wants to be a youth pastor, and he is serving currently at 1025 Church in Monroe, Georgia. And Elias quickly became one of my best friends at the University of Georgia. And we were having a conversation one night. We go to the same church together. We go to the same campus ministry together. And we hung out all the time. And it was late one Tuesday night. We were in his car. And we were talking about how are we going to make a difference in the life of others while we're here. And it's, it's kind of a simple question, you would think. But what I quickly realized at UGA is there are 38,000 people that go to school where I go to school. And so unless you are the quarterback of the football team, no one is going to make an impact on everyone there. 
And our conversation that night was, if we can make an impact on one, pe- one person, five people, or just 10 people while we're there, then we can look back in May of 2022, when we graduate, and we can say, our time here is worth it. We would have no regrets about our college experience because we were able to impact somebody while we were here. So we were having this conversation, and he struck up this conversation with me, and he said, think of all the mentors in your life, from the time that you were a child to a youth to high school age. Think of all those people, and immediately I began to think of youth pastors and pastors and people of this church and people that poured into my life at my school that I went to, and I can name for you 10, 15 people that honestly, like if they were not in my life, my life would look so different. And so I was like, I got you. I can think of these people right away. And he looked at me straight in the face and he said, now we get to have this opportunity for somebody else here. Now is the time that we get to be a mentor into somebody's life that needs us. Now is no longer the time for us to get poured into, but to pour out our life, our experience, our faith, to impact somebody else while we're here. And if we do that, then maybe one person will be changed, five people will be changed, 10 people will be changed. And for the next three years during COVID, out of COVID, the, the job I took on staff at my church in Athens and the uh, job that I took, my volunteer, voluntary job that I took as the president of our BCM, that drove me for the next three years. If I can just make an impact, make a difference in the life of others while I was here, then my college experience will be worth it. And what you see in the life of Daniel here is that he does the exact same thing in a foreign country with foreign gods and foreign customs as a 15-year-old boy. And the first thing that we see from Daniel is that making a difference in the life of others always begins with determining what you stand for. I'll say it again. Making a difference in the life of others always begins with determining what you stand for. Let's pick up this story back in verse 8. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that in Jewish culture, it was, uh, it was forbidden for them to eat unclean meat. And so that is what Daniel is talking about here. And as you might would think, we, we think that Americans kind of invented the buffet, but if you're at King Nebuchadnezzar's king's court at his table, this is more food than Daniel's ever seen in his life. It's not like Jerusalem's a first world country. Daniel grew up needing food and, and wanting food and it was kind of scarce to come by, yet at this moment, everything is handed to him. Anything that he wants is served at this table, yet Daniel had already determined what he stood for. And he knew he was not going to defile his God by eating the unclean meat. I can think of other biblical heroes in the Old Testament that determined what they stood for, but none better than Joshua. If you remember the story of Joshua, so Moses leads the Israelites to the promised land, not into the promised land. He dies, he sees the promised land after everything that he did for the Israelites. And Joshua leads his people into the promised land, And God delivers him 
in battle, you may, you may re- remember the story of Jericho, of Ai, of all these times where God stops the sun so that the Israelites can win the battle. God gives these people this land and still the Israelites, as you might know from the story, they grumble and complain. They're kind of known for grumbling and complaining. And what happens is all these people are, are seeing the, the gods of the land the land that God had delivered to them, and they're saying, what to do now? What are we doing now? And Joshua says, I'll tell you what we're gonna do now. This is in Joshua 24, after God delivered them all these promises, he says in 24, verse 15, but if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today which you will worship, the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. But as for me and my family, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. A lot of people today have that, that second half of that verse up on their, uh, in their house, saying we, our family, we're gonna serve the Lord. Daniel's saying, or not Daniel, excuse me, Joshua's saying you can choose for yourselves. You have a choice. You can serve the God of your ancestors or the God of these people. But I'll tell you what my family's gonna do. We're going to serve the Lord. Joshua determined what he stood for. PBC, I got a question for you this morning. What does our church stand for? What do you as an individual stand for? Do you stand for the gospel, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, seeing people that come to know Christ? Or do you stand for your own agenda? You stand for what you like. You come to this church because you like this pastor, you like this pastor. You like sitting next to this person or you like sitting next to the person over here. You like the contemporary music or you like the traditional music. And when that all crumbles and when that changes, that leaves yourself going, why am I here? What do you stand for? What are you willing to die for? What hill are you gonna die on? That's my question to you this morning. Daniel, as a 15-year-old boy in a foreign nation, scared for his life, he determined what he stood for. He knew what he was going to die on. The second thing that we see from Daniel this morning is that making a difference in the life of others always requires an act of boldness. Making a difference in the life of others always requires an act of boldness. Let's pick up the story again in verse 9. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch, yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than all the young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who were eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. The chief eunuch here, I love his demeanor in this because he's like, Daniel, I really like you. I really do. But you're endangering my life. If I pull back these vegetables just for you, the king sees your face looking thinner then you're endangering my life. I'm gonna die or I'm at least gonna lose my job because I'm not taking care of you. Not only did Daniel determine what he stood for, Daniel acted on what he stood for and he acted in boldness with that. See, Daniel came up with a plan and says, I'm not gonna eat of this meat, but when the 
Temptation came, he had a plan so that he wouldn't do it and so that his buddies wouldn't, wouldn't do it. And as a 15-year-old boy, as a teenager, he comes up with this plan and acts in boldness and he says, you know what, test us. And if 10 days we start looking thinner, then you can give us meat. But I'm gonna let that be in my God's hands and I'm not gonna defile my God because I'm scared. And what I love, the, the last part of what he says, I love, he says, deal with your servants based on what you see. Don't automatically assume that God is not gonna take care of us in this situation. Deal with your servants based on what you see in us. There's a lot of biblical heroes, especially in the Old Testament, they're extremely bold in their faith and what they believe. But none of, I don't believe there's any other person who is more bold than the story of Esther. Esther is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. If you remember, think back to the story of Esther. Esther, in her situation, she's the queen. Haman makes a false decree. Esther's life is on the line. All her family's life is on the line. All the Jews, all their life is on the line. And yet, what does she do? She acts in boldness on what she stands for. And she says, if I'm gonna save my people's life, I'm gonna go to the king and ask a request of him. She knows that could, that could kill her. She knows that that is a bold statement, yet she does it to save her people's life. And as we see in Esther chapter seven, verse three, she says, if I have found favor with you, and if the king is pleased, spare my life. This is my request and spare my people's life, this is my desire. If you remember anything about that story, it's not like she just goes up to him and asks. She requests a banquet with the king, and then she requests another banquet with the king, and all this time she's praying and submitting herself to God, and then finally she asks that request, and it saves her people's life, it saves her life. Haman gets killed for his crime, and the Jews are saved. One of the coolest things that we get to do at the University of Georgia is every other Thursday we get to participate in an organization called The Great Exchange and The Great Exchange does a lot of college campuses. They do UGA and Clemson and Georgia Southern and Georgia State and they pick a day every single week and all across the southeast they go and they have 10 questions to do a spiritual survey on campus and some of those 10 questions are who do you believe God to be? Who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? If God were to come down right now and, and ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And all these 10 questions are set up for its design so that you would share your faith with the random people on campus. And I remember as a freshman, somebody invited me to this to start sharing my faith with people of different backgrounds. And if you go to UGA for any certain time, what you realize is there's many people of different backgrounds that didn't grow up in Palmetto Baptist Church in Palmetto, Georgia. And so when I first accepted to do this, I said, God, I was so scared. I said, God, give me one person that I can talk to. Give me somebody that at the end of this day, I don't, I don't know if I can talk to two or three people, but I can talk to one. Give me the courage to talk to one person about my life and how God has changed me. So as a senior this year, it was now my job as the president of our ministry. We tried to mobilize our students to go share their faith. And one of our most faithful students um, at our BCM, his name is Josh Davidson. And I, I love Josh Davidson. We're great friends. And he's the type of guy at your church or at your ministry when you need chairs set up, 
when you need 250 chairs set up on Tuesday night, he's the one at four o'clock, he, he sets them up. And when we need tables rolled out for a lunch or for a dinner, he's the one that rolls them out. And every single other Thursday, the great exchange was down there. He was there from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. All four hours that the great exchange was down there. He wouldn't, the only time he wouldn't be down there is if he, were, if he had class. He would skip lunch to go talk about his faith. But before he started doing this regularly, he came up to me one day and he said, Mark, I know I need to be doing this. I know I need to share my faith. I know that the Great Commission has called me to do this, but I'm still scared. Why, if, if are people gonna ask me all these questions? Like, I don't know what I'm gonna say. I don't know if I'm gonna have every answer. And I looked at him and I said, Josh, you don't need to worry about having every single answer. All God is asking you to do is to share what you know, to share how Christ has saved you. Because if you do that, if you act in boldness in that way, God's gonna reward your faithfulness. Two Thursdays pass, I go down there about 11 a.m. after my class ends and Josh is there from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And I go down, I pass Josh, I see some girls over on to the side and they were just hanging out and looked like I could ask them for a survey and I had about an hour between a lunch meeting that I had and when my class ended, so I was gonna use that hour to go talk with people on campus in the center of our campus and I pass by Josh, Josh is talking to a guy on campus and I clearly hear him, the Holy Spirit leading him as clear as day, no mumble in his voice. He says, God, listen, God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And he's pouring out the gospel to this guy who, I don't know if you ever heard it, I don't know what the conversation was before or after this, but he's saying, despite your sin, despite everything that you do say or think that God does not like, which is sin, God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life and die for you. I walked past him, that's the only thing I heard. I didn't know the result of the conversation, how he took it. I walked past him, I, I talked with those two girls and it takes me about 30 minutes and it was a good conversation and nothing really came about it. And so I come back and I see Josh looking for his next person that he wants to go talk to. And I, I stopped Josh and I said, Josh, I heard you have this amazing conversation with somebody. I tried to listen to a little bit before I went to go speak to somebody else. How did it go? In the most calm, cool, collected voice, he said it was awesome. He got saved. And what I'm here to tell you today, guys, is that I don't believe that ever could have happened without an act of boldness. Josh had to be bold in his faith to get over that comfortability, uncomfortability, and to be able to say, let me tell you my story. I don't know what background this guy came from, but what I can tell you, his life has forever changed because Josh decided to act in boldness. At the end of that day, it was 2 p.m., Josh came back up to our, our building that we had, and nine people got saved that day. Just from talking to people in the center of campus and just being able to share your story about Christ. God made a difference on our campus that day because our students were willing to be bold in their faith. God is calling us at PBC to be bold with our faith and to share our story of how God has saved us. And the last thing that we see from the life of Daniel this morning is that making a difference in the life of others is always accompanied with God's faithfulness. 
Making a difference in the life of others is always accompanied with God's faithfulness. Let's finish the story right here in verse 15. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. Verse 17, God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king, and every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. If you were to be reading this scripture at your house or somewhere, a lot of people try to skip over the last verse, the last sentence. And what I find so interesting there, Daniel remained there until the end, or until the first year of King Cyrus. What you realize is this story is Daniel, Daniel is 15 years old. Daniel does not leave Babylon again until he is 85. 70 70 years after is when King Cyrus started reigning and when he was first allowed to go home to Jerusalem. And guess what? When Daniel went to go back to Jerusalem, he went back to Babylon because that was his home. It was no longer that Jerusalem was home. He made an impact here. If you know the story of Nebuchadnezzar, the king, He's one of the most famous foreign kings in the Bible. And Nebuchadnezzar had a very up and down relationship with God. Two chapters after this, you know the story of the fiery furnace. Um, But before the fiery furnace, he builds a statue for himself because he thinks that he is the reason why the Babylonian Empire is the way that it is, the way it's so great. Jesus appears in in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, surely the Lord of the Israelites is the most high God. And he reversed his course and then a couple years pass and he sees the Babylonian empire getting bigger and bigger and bigger and he says, surely this has got to be from my doing. This has got to be me. And in Daniel chapter four, God says, no, it's not. And he takes Nebuchadnezzar and he strips everything he has away from him. And you see Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind. He goes insane and he lives like a wild animal for 20 years. He loses status as a king. And at the end of all that, Nebuchadnezzar has nothing. He loses everything. At the end of all that, Nebuchadnezzar says, surely the Lord of the Israelites is God. He is the most high and he is worthy of our praise. And I can't tell you today, I don't know if Nebuchadnezzar's in heaven or not. I will say that's the last thing that we hear about him. The last sentence ever mentioned about Nebuchadnezzar is that he acknowledges that the Lord of the Israelites is God. And what I can tell you is, I don't know if that moment happens without Daniel as a 15-year-old boy in a foreign place standing up for what he believes in. And I'm, not, I'm here to tell you that the result of you being bold with your faith is not always gonna be salvation. It's not. People are gonna reject you. People are gonna think you're weird. I had that happen. I talked with a guy one time during one of those great exchange surveys that studied witchcraft. I'm serious. It rocked my world. I did, not, I did not know that I could have a conversation with somebody like that. 
And we had a conversation based on our differences and that didn't lead anywhere. But what I can tell you is not only does it, it does, it's not gonna lead to salvation every single time, but what I will tell you is it plants a seed in somebody's life. It's very, very rare when you share your story of how Christ saved you that somebody accepts the gospel on the first time. It may take two times, it may take 50 times. But what you're doing is planting a seed in somebody's life so that when somebody else mentions the gospel, their heart is softer to receive it. And what I will tell you is that I know that the Bible, I know that God's word, it never returns void. It never has non-eternal consequences. In Isaiah 55, verse 11, it says, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and and will prosper in what I send it to do. The word of the Lord never returns void. When you share it, when you are acting in boldness and sharing it, it always comes back and is rewarded by God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness always shows up when you decide to be bold with your faith. So what does that mean for us today? In June of 2022, on this Father's Day, what does that mean for Palmetto Baptist Church? And if you don't hear anything that I've said this morning, this is our application for today. Please hear this. We need a new generation of Palmetto Baptist Church members, PBC members, that are willing to make a difference exactly where they're planted and that they have the mindset of how can I serve the church instead of how can the church serve me. What I realized with that conversation I had with my friend Elias my sophomore year, I began to think again of all those people that impacted my life. And yes, there was youth pastors and yes, there were pastors. But I would say about 80% of them, I would say 80% of them were just regular old people of this church. They didn't have anything, no gift that they really thought made them special, like speaking on stage or anything like that. It was just people giving their life to the call, the mission of the gospel that impacted my life. It was just regular old Frank Lambert that taught me Sunday school for seven years. It was regular old Merrill Jenkins. Now it's regular old Wendy James and regular old Noah Crawford and people like that regular old people of this church that give their life to Palmetto Baptist Church, to the, the community around them, to Coweta County, to Fulton County, that say, you know what, while I'm here, let's make a difference in the life of others. Let's make a difference in the future of our church. And so that's what I'm asking you to do today. I can tell you I'm, I'm so excited for our new pastor and I'm, I'm so excited for him to come in a couple weeks. I think our future is going to look a lot better than our past, and I I think that's what everyone's hope is. Everyone wants their future to look a little better than their past. I don't know who the new pastor is. I I can't tell you who he is, so don't come up to me and and ask. I know some of you want to know who he is, and I do too. But I do believe that he's going to be exactly who God wants to send to us, exactly who we need for this time. And that's what I've been praying for. But what I can tell you is, It doesn't make any difference if he's exactly who God has meant for us at this moment in time. It's not going to make any difference if we are not ready to receive him with open arms. If we're not going to be willing to go alongside of him and say, how can we accomplish this mission together? This mission of the gospel, 
this mission of the good news of Jesus Christ. We have to believe that the gospel is not old news. I know in this information world, we, we get news frequently. And the latest tragedy that happens in the world is overshadowed by the newest, the new, newest tragedy in the world. And it's so easy for us to just say, oh, this just keeps happening. But let me tell you that the gospel is never old news. And if we believe that the gospel is powerful, we always have to believe it's current news. And that in the same way that somebody told you about Christ, God wants you to tell somebody else about Christ because it's that powerful. So when this new pastor comes, I just ask, what do you stand for? Do we stand on the gospel? Because I tell you what, it's, it's not Jed's job, it's not Eric's job or any of our staff's job to say, how can I serve these people? You may think it is. It's not, this new pastor's not gonna come and say, oh, how can I serve all 250 members the way that they exactly wanna be served? That's not how it works. Now, that's a byproduct of what he does. But in everything that he does and all the songs that Jed picks, it is how can I glorify God the most in the way that I worship and the way that you guys worship? VBS this past week, Michelle's job is how can I teach these kids to worship in a way, to have foundational truths of the gospel, of the Bible, in a way that when they grow up, that they serve the Lord, that they glorify God more in their speech and their actions in their school. That's their job. And so it's our job as members to come alongside of that. And yeah, we have to be willing to make some changes. We have to be willing to say, I may not like this because we've been doing this for the past 20 years, but I'm willing to make this change because I'm willing to see more people come to know Christ. If this is your, your first time here, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to, to speak this morning. There's some of you in the crowd today that you say, Mark, this mission is awesome. I wanna be alongside this. I wanna be part of this mission of the gospel, whether it be at this church or another local church. But what is the first decision? The first decision is always receiving Christ. And I know that there's many people in here that have done that in their life. Uh, but today could be your day of salvation. If you've never done that before, it's the greatest thing that you'll ever do. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And when I was six years old, going back to upward basketball, I was first explained that this is God and this is me. And because of my sin, because of everything that I've done that's been against Christ, doesn't matter anything that I do after that, I could, be, I could have one sin, I could be this far away from God, but it would be just the same as if I was this far away from God because God wants to be like this with us. He wants to come into our life, not to make our life better, to make our life different, to where everything else we do is for Christ and not for anybody else, to give us a purpose and a hope that's different. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, if that is you, that's Mark, Mark I, gotta, I gotta do this. I understand this, I know my sin. The greatest thing about it is, it's very simple. All you have to do is ask him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, all you gotta do is say something like this. Heavenly Father, I know that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. But God, I also know that you sent your son 
to die on the cross for me, to live a perfect life, and three days later to rise from the dead to prove that you are Lord over all. And so God, I commit to following you. And for the rest of my days, I choose to live my life for you and not myself. In your name I pray, amen. If that was you this morning, for the first time in your life, you decided to do that. I don't wanna embarrass you, I don't want to call you out, but I do wanna know. We as a church wanna know. Um, after the service, I'm gonna be hanging out, talking with people, please come and tell me. I wanna hug you as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ about the decision that you just made. And we as a church wanted to take those steps to follow in believer's baptism and to give you a path to follow with, on your walk with Christ. And for the rest of us that have already made that decision, for the members of this church that love this church, I just have a simple question for you. What do you stand for? Daniel knew what he stood for. So as we get this new pastor, what are we gonna stand on? I hope it's the gospel. I hope it's the mission of Christ. Because if so, I think our future looks a lot better than our past. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the life of, of Daniel. For the example that he set, even as a 15-year-old boy in a foreign nation, Everything in his world is shaken, yet he determined what he stood for. And after that, he acted in boldness. God, I just ask that you would encourage us to be bold with our faith, to share it with the people around us, to know that the gospel is still powerful. It's never old news, it's always current news. It can always make a difference in the life of somebody around us, whether it be our family, our church, where we work. And God, I just pray that at the future of this church, we would stand on your gospel. And God, thank you for the promise in your word that when we are bold with our faith, when we are bold to stand for you, that you always accompany us with your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for the example that you set in your word and let us go live it out. In your name I pray, amen.